This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's Monday and that means it's time for the Zoomer Squad. Crashes that disproportionately hurt and kill Zoomers are still at the top of the agenda. At least 24 pedestrians over the age of 60 have been killed so far this year out of a total of 37 77-year-old Pasquina Lapadula was the latest such victim last week, and she was left in the street by a hit-and-run driver, and another driver drove around her body. This is happening more and more often. And, you know, I I saw an interesting take on the weekend uh, where it was described as a failure of decency. And you know what? That seems to be exactly right on. Also, today, the provincial premiers are meeting, as you heard in Jeremy's news, and some of them seem to be coming to the same conclusion as CARP. And that is that the federal government has to step in with more money and more leadership if we are to have any hope of maintaining our healthcare system. And still, on that file, final arguments this week in a landmark case before the BC Supreme Court that's putting public Medicare on trial. Of course, we want to hear from you. Let me give the numbers out. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now I'd like to welcome Peter Mugridge, Senior Editor of Zoomer Magazine, David Kravitz, Vice President of Zoomer Media, and Marissa Lennox, Chief Policy Officer at CARP. Welcome. Thanks for joining us Hi, on Libby. a snowy Hi, Monday. Uh, and I would imagine that this wintry weather is just going to make things even more dangerous for older people, especially mm-hmm. pedestrians. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I would think so. Um Certainly it was the case when I was driving into work this morning. And not only did I abide by all of the, the laws of the road, I, I probably went a little bit slower than I needed to be in some, of these, in some of these zones. And I was thinking, you know, every morning I pass by a school zone and the, 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 the law when you're driving in a school zone is that you drive at 40 kilometers an hour. And I, you know, I got to be honest, I'm not sure if I've always uh, obeyed that law. Certainly when I was younger, I might not have. Now that I have a daughter... Whom I adore and love. I, I, as I drive through these school zones, I think, you know, there are people that love these children as much as I love my daughter. Mm. And if only people that were driving through these zones realized that they were putting these loved ones at risk, maybe they would go the speed limit. And so again, you know, when I think about people disobeying the rules of the road, I would just encourage everyone to think about the people that they love. And if they could see themselves, you know, if they, if they saw a loved one be treated the way that sometimes they treat others on the road, maybe they would think twice. Yeah, but it's not, that's not always the case. And it was interesting because uh, I, I heard the chief of police commenting and he was saying the key to the whole thing is education. You know, we heard last week they approved another million bucks in the budget for enforcement, and that's about eight officers. And uh, 
interesting thing is they had an enforcement unit. It was very effective in terms of the number of tickets, number of collisions really went down. They got rid of it to save money. Now they're bringing it back. I mean, honestly, really? But the chief was saying he didn't think that this was going to make a huge difference, that it's education. He talked about education at mid-block crossings where a lot of these crashes mm-hmm. Occur, But, you know, if you've got, I I think, uh, in places like Scarborough, one and a half, two, you know, kilometers between lights, how can you blame people for mid-block crossings? Well, if if he's talking about educating the pedestrians as a solution, I think it's a measure. Certainly, the more we know, the more we do, the more aware we are uh, to protect your own life as a pedestrian. And you could argue I shouldn't have to do that, but if I do have to do that, then... Okay, I should be equipped, but to your point, let me enforcement. How do you get your driver's license in the first place and hit a pedestrian and drive away? I mean, it's it's enforcement. It's it's very severe mm. imbalance between who's going to win between a car and a pedestrian. Right. But how do you how do you how do you educate or enforce someone who's in a rush to get home? And it's dark and snowy, and they run a they run a yellow. Like, how do you enforce it? It's a snap decision made at a last moment, and you know, like, like uh, you know, an arm. I don't know that, that these case. these but, happens. But how, how do you educate the that? The threat. You know? we, it, I don't know that it's the yellow that's the problem. It's the red. And you, I have I have a bit of a theory about right. that. I think you're right. That it is so hard. If there are a lot of places in the city, especially around rush hour, where there are legal left turns. You can't turn unless you turn on a red. And I think that fact that people are turning on red Mm because they have no other choice unless they, you know, do something else emboldens people to do it in other situations where it's even more dangerous. And I think people feel righteous doing it because the congestion in Toronto is so bad. Yeah. But the thing is, is the threat of severe penalty has to be there. Yeah. Right. And if they think they're going to get away with it, unscathed, they'll continue to do it. And so that's one of the things I think that the mayor announced this morning, or I guess over the weekend, was that he would be in, there would be more infrared cameras to catch these folks if they well, do. Well, in a while there, there, there may be, but the province has to approve those. I think it's on the agenda for some time soon. But, uh, you know, the city can't do any of these things on its own. It needs permission from the big boys at Queen's Park. Libby, why does it need permission for that, though? Uh, that's the way that, that's, yeah. don't ask me, that's the way the law is written. Uh, it, because it's a highway and safety the, traffic the, act or the something? The city yeah. is a creature of the province. It's, it's a government in short pants. Right. And it a is. lot of people, myself included, think that shouldn't be. But it is. Right. But, but, it's about, but you also get these chain reactions where you really have no choice but to hope that the drivers are sensible. I mean, we are here in Liberty Village. I go home usually up Dufferin Street. The number, to your point, of left turns where the third guy in winds up having to turn on a red light because the first two maybe got through heading north here on an amber light. He's going in on the red light. At that last moment, a pedestrian yeah. is darting across the right. street against the red light. Right. He's stuck. He's not going to hit the pedestrian. Meanwhile, the oncoming traffic has been released five seconds ago. Everyone's honking. And everyone's honking at everybody. And then he will maybe make his turn and not hit anybody. But is he scarred by that? Does he he decide never to repeat that? I mean, there are places where, (laughs) never mind the third guy, the first guy. Yeah. 
And, and well, that's true. when I'm going to turn left, <laughs> I always wait and see because uh, uh, looking because the people going straight will sometimes after a yellow, they'll just put on the gas and rush through the intersection when you might think that somebody else. And also in terms of I remember on tell me if I was in the right. I was crossing the street. I was on foot and there was a green light, but also with an arrow. And I cross the street because I think that's a right of way for me. And people started yelling at me. Mm. Right. So, I mean. Because they have the advanced green to turn. Right. So there shouldn't be any pedestrians in well, the intersection. Well, I guess so that I Maybe that goes to, inter- to education again. But okay. My bad. <laughs> well, but people know, right, whether or not to cross on a red or not. So I think it, I think for me, the key here is enforcement, and the key is the key is also ensuring that there are penalties in place and mechanisms to make sure we know when people are behaving this way, and when they do, there is a severe penalty fine associated with it. I want to give the numbers out again, and I want to bring out this this thing like a, a failure of decency because. I, it it boggles it the mind. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-744-740. Uh, and, uh, wanted to, what do you think? Is it a failure of decency? I mean, what is this with people hitting and running? And there was another case, I think on Friday, it wasn't an older person. It was a child, a child bleeding from the head. And they didn't stop. I hope he's okay. We have to follow up and see what happened. I think a 10-year-old boy. I mean, you, what is that? Uh, do they not notice that they've hit somebody? You know, you wonder. Or or is no, it they, just no, a fear you know, that they, they'll... Uh, and then if you're the driver behind, behind, in that case of that uh, uh, yeah. older woman we talked about at the outset, and yeah. he drove around her body, yeah. not the one that hit her, yeah. How would you not stop? How would you drive around a body in the street? In the street, and and part of it is, you know, there's people are saying, well, um, if somebody is left there and no one calls nine one one, that really lessens their chances of surviving if they're severely injured. Materially, absolutely. So sure. you're right; it is decency, and I'm I'm wondering if it just speaks to this uh, increasing. I don't want to say indifference, but coarseness almost brought on by the rush of the traffic, the impossible gridlock, the Mm, the environment is one that that is guaranteed to make you angry, even if nothing bad happens. And I don't I think it's easy to say that's the they got to fix that. They are maybe they're trying, but it's definitely a contributor, I think. Mm. I notice a lot less courtesy on the road at all times now. There's almost no courtesy on the road. Mm hmm. No, it, it has to be, um, but to can you legislate courtesy? Yeah, that's my question. Can you yeah. enforce courtesy? <laughs> no, you asked an important question, but can it be, oh, we're going to enforce that now so people will become, there's just something fundamental about you know, there will always be, around a person. But there will the always be those that get away with it. Yes. Yeah, there will sure. be. But if there is more enforcement on the roads and if the penalties associated with that behavior are more severe, and then it'll be a deterrent for people to act that way. And I'm, I'm also wondering, this is in, in terms of, uh, you know, media, because I'm thinking, and I, maybe it was just reading something in the paper on the weekend, that, that do we give more attention to the hit and run than to when the cops finally find 
the driver. Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe in some cases, yes. Is that a problem that there's kind of more focus on a hit and run getting away with something than because, you know, they they do catch the drivers eventually. It's pretty hard to get away with. Yeah. Well, the trouble with that is, and we're all in media, the news cycle has moved on. There's some other story that's bigger. You're asking your readers to remember the original event. I think it all just gets yeah. washed away in all um, the in all the, the radio. Yeah. But it made me think that you know we have yeah, to right. make sure that we give equal or more attention when these perpetrators are caught. Let's get to the phones. We've got Barbara in Toronto. Hello, Barbara. Hi, Bar. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? Just getting over a cold, actually. Um, first of all, you have great programs on. Thank you. And even though I'm usually really supportive of the police doing a great job, I am. But um, nevertheless, I've seen cars cutting off other cars, cutting off people when they're trying to cross the street, making illegal U-turns in the middle of streets downtown, and you know, doing all these things, which I believe is a failure of decency, as you said, and just people not caring. And to make a long story short, this past week, a close friend of mine was not well and called me up from work. And it was really cold last Wednesday and windy. To make a long story short, I said, you know what, I'll pick you up at work. And it was about three or four minutes after five, and I was waiting for my friend to come out of the medical building. And a police officer came and gave me a $150 ticket and the two cars that were behind me. Park. Nobody was in there. In fact, I thought, oh, this is a great parking spot. I didn't see that you're not supposed to stop between four and six. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, if I had seen that sign that was way up on the block, I didn't know that you couldn't wait for two or three minutes till somebody came out. And I explained that to the officer, and the officer said, well, it's too bad you can't stop between four and six. And when my friend came out, I showed my friend this ticket for $150, and, you know, she couldn't believe it. She said, you should try to go and explain the circumstances. But I just thought, you know, later, as I was driving my friend home, I, you know, I I was caring and kind, I thought, to do this. Never got a ticket before. And on the way home, I saw all these cars making illegal U-turns in the middle of the street, Going through red lights, I saw a stop sign that I stopped at, and other people just passed me by, and I thought, this is unbelievable. You were just unlucky that there was uh, an officer there who could write a ticket uh, for happened to be where you are, and there were none where the others were. Barbara, that's a no good deed goes unpunished. Thanks for your call. Let's go to Alexis in Aurora. Hi, Alexis. Hello, Libby. Thank you for taking my call. I was just thinking that is it possible that these people that are doing these hit and runs don't have car insurance? It's possible. And that maybe they're just, (laughs) you know, part of a criminal element that just takes off. They don't care about people anyway. Well, we don't know. We don't know exactly what, but um, yeah, that is highly possible that there's some problem, or their license has been suspended, or or they exactly. have had alcohol. Exactly. Or alcohol. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. or and, drugs. And that's another thing. They could be on drugs. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All it of the above. Po- Absolutely. Absolutely. I would have to think that that's the kind of person that would do something like that and leave. Mm. 
All the more reason why we ought to dr- just jot down people's license plate numbers. I've done that. Exactly. I've written them. In, I've sent in people's license plate numbers who were behaving right when you're a passenger. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I'm driving. You're driving. You can't take pictures of it. You can't. No. Then you're going to be a distracted driver. Yeah. So um, I've even been, Libby. I've even been on the highway, and I so agree with that lady. I've been on the highway where I am doing the speed limit of a hundred, and people have been beeping me. Oh yeah. And passing me a big truck. Yep. You know, there was a truck behind me one time. He was right almost on my tail, beeping me, and I was doing 100 kilometers. Yeah, well, were you in the left lane? Uh, I was in the slow lane. Okay, well, he shouldn't have been doing that in the slow for lane. Sure People are jealous. Yeah. Okay, thank you oh. for your call, Alexis. Okay, uh, we will move on to Sam in Toronto. Hi, Sam. Hey, good morning to you. Good morning. A reminder, like a while ago, I don't know if I called in, you remember, I said there is like a couple of issues. I blame drivers, of course, there are these selfish, you know, as you said, lack of decency among some, but there is a couple of culprits too, uh, to add to it. You know, one of the, uh, one is like a driving culture, you know, we are a city of immigrants, you know, and the driving culture for newcomers sometimes, you know, it takes a couple of generations to get used to it. And that's one thing. I don't I'm know about friend. generations, but maybe for, for you know, I, I, I have been in places in the world where it's like, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, that's, that's, yeah, maybe. I'm saying it as an immigrant. So I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, put immigrants down. But basically, you know, this is one. But I think the bigger culprit, uh, to be honest with you, there's like two things. This unmitigated, uncontrolled, uh, building permit construction yes. to private companies now. And the second thing, and there is more to it that city can help that doesn't. So in a way, city itself, city itself is a culprit in this frustration. Because when you're caged in, in a city that you can escape, everywhere you go, there is a road closure mm-hmm. or there is a construction mm-hmm. or there is something going on that you can get to from A to B. Then it builds up to the point that it's a matter of survival. You just want to survive and get out of hell and get to the point where you want to be. And I understand it's frustrating, especially for those who work in the city. You go from A to B or, you know, from place to place. And then you get more frustrated as you, you know, you drive during the day. You know, it, it takes just a little bit to ask for it. And then you do things that you probably regret on a regular day. I've seen it throughout the years get worse and worse and worse because I see it on the street and I can see that the ethics, as you call it, or, you know, they try to, uh, you know, decency and, you know, right away is just non-existent anymore. You know Absolutely. Like- thanks, Sam, thanks for your call. Go ahead, Marissa. You know, when that last caller was speaking, the only thing I could think about was being trapped in what I thought figured was, was somewhat something like hell it was during one of the... Uh, marathons that happened in the city and I was trapped on Richmond and I had to go Mm. all the way north to Bloors and then come all the way back around Mm. just to go west I mean it was such a nightmare yeah but 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 there's notice I mean I agree with you but there's notice of that well sure and and that isn't that isn't um 
you know, reason to break any laws. I mean, you just yeah. have to deal with it. But yeah. I, I, mean, I understand I've, where people's frustration oh, might yeah. come from. You yeah. know, I, I think he's right about the construction. And it, it's interesting, you know, the mayor for the young Eglinton area, where it's completely out of control oh, and where get, we had. Don't. I live near there. Don't. And very oh, um, <laughs> tragic. Uh, a, a woman very tragically killed at the end of September. Uh, uh, so this working group where they're all supposed to coordinate the construction is just about to take effect. The residents there are really vigilant. So I guess we'll have to see if that does any good at all. But I remember speaking to the mayor many times. He's going to make it harder for people to shut down streets, going to make it more expensive. I don't know that it is because... I think Sam is right. There's just every day there's new closures and, and delays and it's it's construction. Yeah. And, and I don't think these drivers are sharks that are driving around trying mm. to hit people intentionally. Um, but I think it's you've got this sort of per- perfect storm of things happening where you've got, you know, tons of construction, street shut down, marathons on, diff- congestion is so horrible in Toronto, trying to and, get and in I, and out of the city. And yeah. people are, it's not licensed to break the law. And, and the other issue you've got is you've got people getting away with it all the time. Yep. And the city isn't exactly a champ at posting notices of construction far enough down the road from where your lane suddenly vanishes. You're driving along and suddenly it's gone. And and you have to be edging over left or right. Yeah, and then nobody's going to let you in. I mean, okay. The the signing is less than the best. I see your call board just lighting up. Okay, (laughs) yes, yes. A lot of people don't like the traffic. Okay, let's talk to Doreen in Kingston. Hi, Doreen. Well, hi, Libby. Um, I have two comments. First of all, when it comes to phoning the police and the OPP, um, in order to be not a distracted driver, I have the uh, local police and the OPP programmed into my Bluetooth. So I just have to press the button on the wheel to call. Okay, that's good. Good idea. Good idea. Yeah. And uh, the other thing I want to say is um, living in Kingston, I'm, I'm between Kingston and Brockville, and in both places I find that People are standing on the corner, and you're really not sure what they're going to do. And just as you get up there, they quickly make a quick decision to step out in front of you. And there was a senior in Brockville, and I was going through a parking lot and um, driving very slow because of people possibly coming out between the cars. And this elderly gentleman, my goodness, he was well over 80, I'm sure, came out of a store straight ahead, stepped in front of me. And I put my window down. I said, sir, you're supposed to look. He said, it's up to you to stop. <laughs> yeah, a lot of so people I think, think that that's up. I think they get story. hung up on the fact that they, they say the drivers are responsible. So, Yeah, but it, if you're hurt, it doesn't matter who's responsible. Doreen, thanks for your call. Okay. Okay. Uh, wait, Alex in Brampton. Hi, Alex. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? I'm well, thanks. <clears throat> You mentioned earlier that uh, there was a car that went around a body that was on the street. Yep. And uh, I think that one of the reasons why people do that is that they're, first of all, in a hurry. You know, they're always going someplace. Secondly, they don't really want to get involved in this because, first of all, they'd have to stop and then call the police and wait for the police. And is there then an onus on them to provide some kind of care to that victim or whatever. I understand, you know, it's not an act of decency is required, but I think people just don't want to get involved. You're probably right. 
You are probably right. You'd think at least somebody would think to call 911. Yeah, but, you know, if they don't have a cell phone, which I, in a majority Everybody's of people, got a they cell do phone have these that. Days. Uh, I just don't think that people say, well, I didn't cause this thing. I, you know, it's not my problem. Well, yeah, but uh, there we go. That That's gets back to about. decency. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for your call, Alex. You're welcome. Okay, uh, well, boy, that's taking up a lot of time, but let's let's move along a little bit to the Premier's meeting. Looks like they might be coming around to what CARP is saying, Marissa. Sure, so, so the Premiers are asking for, obviously, some more financial support from the provinces, or sorry, from the federal government to, to, to help with health care delivery in each of the provinces. And we know that there are huge backlogs and challenges in our system in terms of people being able to access a family doctor, people getting dis- people being able to access, you know, acute care bags in hospital because they're taken up by ALC patients, being discharged from hospital, finding appropriate home care supports, getting into long-term care, all of all of those things. Um, so what I would say, though, is it's not just a matter of increasing funds from the federal government, but ensuring that those dollars are being spent appropriately so that we are able to meet the needs of an aging population and Part of that is is, figuring out where we're going to invest those dollars. And CARB's perspective is it ought to be invested in preventive health, in keeping Canada healthy, investing in things like home and community-based care, not as much on, you know, hospital and acute care, ensuring that people stay out of hospital. So it's a, it's, a, it's a conversation that has to be had. And I'm glad to see that the federal government is is actually getting involved because I think too often our, our you know federal leaders are far too willing to pass off health care as a provincial issue. So I think this is an important first step. It's, it's interesting because when you talk to any minister or that those are exactly the things they say, but yet Things well, don't seem to improve. I, I think there's one problem, and I agree with Marissa that every dollar, if they added one more dollar, it would be welcome. So we're not certainly being casual or indifferent. But as long as the premiers can keep the focus on we need more money, they don't need to deal with why is it so bad with the increasing sums of money we've been getting over the decades. Yeah. Now, you had an audio clip from Pallister, the premier of Manitoba. In the past 25 years, the wait time between getting an appointment with a specialist and actually getting treatment has tripled well, in Manitoba. Where? In Manitoba it, and it's for doubled what kind of specialty? Canada, it's doubled. No, but overall, yeah, it's overall, double. Okay. So the wait times are getting worse and worse and worse. Canada's already got enough money to do way better than we're doing. So I think the challenge, and it's certainly a challenge CARP's going to face, is on the one hand, yeah, the money's welcome, but on the other hand, we're spending already near the top of OECD. Why Absolutely. aren't we getting better results? We're not going to let you just ask for more money and then walk away thinking that the job's yeah. done because the job's only getting started. But that's well, going to take an overhaul of many systems, right? Yes, like, it is. You're going to have to go after the hospitals, the doctors, yes. the, the nurse, everyone. You know? Well, and here in Ontario, yeah. there is an overhaul underway and we'll have to see how it turns out. You know, uh, uh, unfortunately... With all of these things, it takes a long time, and there are usually unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. You fix one thing, and the leak springs elsewhere. Yes, right. But, I mean, to to be fair, give it a chance. For sure. But And but more money is very, very welcome, but it takes 20 weeks now in Manitoba, where he was. we had their premium, 20 weeks from the time you see a specialist to the time you get treated, highest in Canada, highest weight in Canada. Mm. 
on average. So what are they doing with the money they've got already? People in Manitoba have to keep that pressure up and in every province. And I think that's part of what we're going to be trying to do here. Right. Okay. Uh, we are uh, basically out of time. Let's go uh, uh, around the table, 20 seconds each. Peter? Um, well, I'm, I'm going to be keeping my eye on the on the first minister's meeting. And uh, some of the language they put into their letter to the prime minister was um, they want these federal transfers to include the needs of aging Canadians. So that's the first time that's, that language has been in there. And it'll be interesting to see how that uh, unfolds. Okay, Marissa? Oh, what can I say? Um, well, later this week, actually, I have a meeting with some of the folks that are responsible for delivering on those provincial Ontario health teams. So um, I'll be able to maybe report back to you on next Monday on how that meeting went. Okay, that sounds exciting. And following what Marissa said, we are beginning to hear some language, at least uh, in Ontario here, about benchmarks and measurements and the need to do better as opposed to just life would be perfect if we had an extra $10 billion to mm -hmm. throw at it. So they're going back in to look at how they've organized it so far. And I think that's the process that has to keep going. Okay. That's all the time we have for the Zoomer Squad this week. Thank you so much, Marissa Lennox, David Kravitz, and Peter Mugridge. We'll see Thanks, you next Libby. week. Thanks, Libby. Thanks. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.